At the height of the Cold War, the Soviet Union dug the deepest hole ever conceived. The Kola Superdeep Borehole delved 40,000 feet into the Earth's crust near the Arctic Circle. While analogs found in the primary world don't often apply, it's hard to not think of such things here in the foundations of stone. How far down into the bowels of the Earth can we go? And by the same token, how far down do the dwarves go? How deep is too deeply and too greedily? It certainly seems deep down here. Eerie green pools of fetid water are surrounded by jagged purple stone. Are they amethysts, quartz, or some unknown substance formed at creation, but slowly corrupted over time by balrogs and nameless things? I don't know. And if the dwarves keep such records, they are closed to the rest of us. And what we do know is that here at the bottom of the world, among the fungal plagues and alien wombs and foreign rocks, there is a stair, and it just keeps going up. It's the Endless Stair, and you are listening to Beneath Your Feet. The history of the Endless Stair goes hand in hand with the history of Moria itself. Ages ago, when the world was young, Durin, first and deathless, awoke in Gundabad. We covered that in the Elder Slate episode. And what we didn't cover was that, at some point, and for some reason, Durin took a walk. What he found is still there now, during the timeline of the Third Age, Keled Zoram, that's Glass Lake in Kuzdul, known to the rest of us as Mirror Mirror. There, Durin saw reflected in the perfectly still water the image of a crown of stars. A marker, Durin's stone, was set there to commemorate the occasion and it remains there today, albeit threatened by the presence of orcs come down from the nearby Misty Mountains. That symbol, Durin's starry crown, now marks the doors of Moria. But before it was Moria, the Black Pit, it was Khazad-dûm, the mansions of Durin's folk. For after his oracle moment at the Mirror Mirror, Durin drew his people unto himself and started digging. For three ages of the world, the Longbeards broke deeper and deeper into the Misty Mountains. Level upon level, hall upon hall, they wrought their craft and spread the name of their work. For the Silmarillion tells us that as far away as Beleriand in the First Age, among the dwarves of Nogorod and Belagost and beyond, the name of Khazad-dûm was known. And when the First Age ended and Beleriand was sundered and the world was changed, all those displaced dwarves made for Khazad-dûm like bees to a hive. And by their arrival, and the arrival of more dwarves throughout the ages, was the greatness and majesty of Khazad-dûm increased. We don't know when or why the Endless Stair was begun. The discrete absence of structures among these purple outcroppings of rock and the foundations of stone tells me its placement here was a beginning, at most. And for my part, I'm thinking of the bridge of Casa Doom in the first hall. The chasm seems almost impossibly natural. There's no way these dwarves dug all the way across or up or down. At best, they enlarged it and slapped a bridge on it to span the void, so Maybe, in the long ago when the world was young, some enterprising Longbeard thought, how do I get down there? And after a dredging expedition, they hit bottom. Maybe somebody dropped a rock. This, they said, no doubt must be the foundation of the world. Which begs another question. Could they have dug a bit deeper, beyond the foundations of stone? Or is there some kind of impossible bedrock beneath? 
and the fact that the great chasm of the first hall ends here seems reason enough to take it as the terminus. Let's assume that this was where the order was given to begin an impossible work, a generational work fit only for the folk of Aule to complete, a stairway from the deepest depths to the highest of heights. And as I say, we don't know how long it took. Gondolin, the great hidden city of the Noldor, took only 75 years to complete. The closest comparison we can make from our primary world is the Great Wall of China, which took about 2,000 years to finish. If the entire history of Khazad-dûm spans almost twice that amount of time, uh, we can assume the Longbeards had some spare discretionary hours to construct a miles-high staircase. The steps begin their journey in the terrifyingly dank foundations of stone, but the way up is shut, having been broken and nearly destroyed during the battle between the Balrog and the wizard Gandalf, a pile of rubble stops us in our tracks. And this bears mentioning because, at least in the Lord of the Rings Online, the fulcrum around which all the many happenings of Moria spin is the passing of the Fellowship of the Ring, and especially the defeat of Durin's Bane. Various orc tribes are running rampant, nameless things and ancient evils have been stirred up, there's a fungal plague infecting flora and fauna, and the Iron Garrison dwarves are seeking to reclaim the place, and there's even a sorcerer of Dol Guldur mucking about, all because of the power vacuum left by the destruction of the Balrog. The terrible creature, who had been lying in wait since the end of the First Age, who drove Durin's folk from their ancestral home and even kept them out at the height of their power, is no more. And all it took to finish the job was an epic battle down to the bottom of the world and back again, and thus the damage and the impediment to my exploration. Oh well. Our next sighting of the Endless Stair sees me traveling upwards in elevation from the foundations back towards the first hall and the Redhorn Lodes. This is an area, like much of Moria, that is contrasted by its lighting. When an entire region is literally a cave, there's only so much to distinguish one locale from another. Statues of Durin can be tried, storied trees of masonry, maybe even a different kind of pillar. But it's truly the color of these spaces that help to differentiate them most. And the southern first hall bleeding into the red horn loads is a rusty iron color, reds and oranges. They fade into the distance of the abyss, and there a vertical span between stalagmite and stalactite is the endless stair, its journey to the top of the world persisting throughout the centuries. Again, however, I'm foiled. There is no path across the abyssal gap from the edge of Redhorn Lodes, and so I must continue upwards on my own. The Redhorn Lodes, a bevy of minerals and stone nestled snugly beneath the otherwise cruel Carathris, is busy. The swarms of orcs scattered by the destruction of the Balrog and mustered by the goblin chieftain Mazog are everywhere, as are the dwarves attempting to rout them. Upward still is the more settled and developed neighborhood of Zelem Melek in the 21st Hall. Before my goat can get me there, it hits me again, as it's hit many a player since the mines of Moria were open to us all those years ago. Exploring Khazad-dûm takes us not only west and east, north and south, but also upwards and downwards. And this effect can be sometimes missed, even if it is mostly obvious. 
We're so used to simply moving atop the surface of the world that we might neglect to see just how drastically our elevation changes as we traverse the mines, especially as we continue to ponder the endless stair. Then ponder I must, for through the 21st hall and beyond the chamber of Mazarbul is Durin's way and, just to the north of Yazergund, is the brightest, clearest sighting of the endless stair yet. In fact, it's the last glance I'll steal before my journey takes me to its frigid endpoint. Here we get a proper look at the thing, a spinning turret of grey stone dotted with statues of Durin still intact despite centuries of neglect. Crystal lamps there are as well, dotting the way from Stygian Deep to Snowy Peak. You wonder how often they used it, the dwarves of old who lived and breathed and toiled here for millennia, until Durin's bane drove them off. What was its purpose? Was it mere spectacle? Or was it a superhighway for the upright immensity of Khazad-dûm? And did Gandalf think about this as he battled his way up against that same Balrog that emptied the place thousands of years ago? Questions like this linger as a draft buffets through the door to the clouds. Beyond the threshold is blinding sunlight to contrast the dim, mirror-lit world inside the mountain. The slope is steep and snow-covered, wind-whipping gales of snow against the mountainside. The space is broken unevenly by spurs of rock here and there, and then sheer walls close the little cove in. The only other exit is straight down. This is the summit of Zirakzigil, Silvertine, Celebdil. It is known to most denizens of Middle-earth as one of the three peaks of Moria, but that storied mountain has a new claim to fame now as the grave of Durinsbane. And at the top of one of those sheer walls I mentioned before is the utmost top of the mountain and the cap of the endless stair. Durin's tower is broken. Its fragments are scattered all around and like the fallen remains of that battlement is a massive crater. And within it is the remains of the Balrog. Even in death it is a creature of madness and terror and I wonder what it took for the Grey Pilgrim to end his epic battle with it and what would have happened here had there not been the endless stair. Thank you for listening to Beneath Your Feet. For more information on the show, please visit anchor.fm slash L-O-T-R-O-B-Y-F. Any support, a review, a share, a donation is all very much appreciated. You can also join me live each month for the Beneath Your Feet live stream on twitch.tv slash stream. With each show, we dive deep into a particular region of the Lord of the Rings online. We hunt for Easter eggs and details and talk lore for the upcoming podcast episode. And finally, Beneath Your Feet is now on YouTube. Search for Lotro Beneath Your Feet to listen to past episodes and watch current live streams. You can also click the link in the show notes. Today's music comes from the Lord of the Rings online soundtrack. This episode was written and read by me. My name is Shoreless, and we'll see you next time when we go Beneath Your Feet. <laughs>